Our scripture today is from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6, verses 1 through 9. And you can follow it in the Pew Bible on page 157. It's the great commandment. Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the ordinances that the Lord your God charged me to teach you to observe in the land that you are about to cross into and occupy so that you and your children and your children's children may fear the Lord your God all the days of your life and keep all his decrees and commandments that I am commanding you so that your days may be long. Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe them diligently so that it may go well with you, and so that you may multiply greatly in the land flowing with milk and honey, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, has promised you. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk to them about them when you are at home and when you are away and when you lie down and when you rise. Bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thank you, Jan, and thank you, Charlie. I have a confession to make to you this morning. Ready? I have not watched a single episode of Ted Lasso. Will you still let me be your pastor? I realize that I am missing out on a huge cultural moment here. I have a ton of friends that have posted about this show on social media, and I assume a whole lot more who are watching but don't bother posting. I know that it's about sports and about being kind and about being optimistic and that it's very funny and those are all things I like. And seriously, I have so many friends who love this show. It's been nominated for something like 20 Emmy Awards this year, but I have not seen a single episode. The problem is we have the wrong streaming service to be able to see it, and I refuse to pay for more than one. <laughs> Maybe you have not seen a single episode of Ted Lasso either, but I bet that there is a TV show that at one point in your life you watched with great fervor. I bet there's been a show at some point in your life that, that you didn't want to miss a single episode, that you were so excited to find out what was going to happen next that, that you just kept thinking about your favorite characters. When I was a kid, my whole family was so in love with the Cosby show. The Cosby show. We actually taped the episodes on VHS tapes and kept them in the basement. It was a bit of a family moment when my parents finally decided to throw all those tapes away. I bet, though, for all of us, or most of us, there has been at least one show in our lives that we have loved so much we can remember some of the plot, we can remember some of the most emotional scenes and the way the show touched us and impacted us and impacted our worldview. Good stories do that for us, especially if we devote ourselves to them, if we spend time with them, if we talk about them with our friends. Good stories shape us 
They not only entertain us, they help us understand the world. So my question this morning, considering the way you once felt for your favorite TV show, have you ever felt that way about the Bible? Have you ever had a moment when the Bible just enraptured you, when you wanted to devour its pages, when you were so excited to see what was going to happen next, when, when you encountered a character that you couldn't stop thinking about? And if you're saying right now, eh, Amy, that doesn't happen. The Bible is too old. It's too, too out of touch, too hard to read. Nobody feels about the Bible the way they do about Ted Lasso. Okay? It does actually happen, though. Hard to believe, but it does actually happen. I remember my Old Testament professor in seminary telling us how she would get in trouble as a kid because she would stay up way too late at night reading the Bible. She would make a little tent out of her sheet and blanket and have a flashlight under there and hope that her parents wouldn't notice. But they did, but she said they let her stay up because they knew what she was reading. Her love affair with the Bible started early and it never stopped, but that's not just true for professors of Old Testament. It's possible for all of us to have the scriptures occupy such a big place in our lives that they are the stories we care most about, that it's got the guidance that's closest to our hearts. In fact, that's what the Bible wants to do, but it's up to us and our habits about whether or not that actually happens. Now let me say, before I go any further, I'm not trying to set up some kind of contest here between the Bible and good TV. Right? You don't have to choose one, or the o- one over the other. We don't have to trade in our Netflix or our Apple TV Plus or our Hulu or our Disney Plus or our YouTube TV. Did I miss any streaming services there? I'm not suggesting we have to stop watching those things and just read the Bible. But I want to remind us today that the Bible wants to be the number one story in our lives. And not because it needs good ratings. The Bible wants to be the number one story in our lives because it can change our lives unlike anything else can do. It brings us the word of God. It reveals to us the will of God. And it reveals to us God's desire for our lives. And it does it in a way that nothing else can do it, right? The Bible is what tells us about God's love that has no end about God's mercy that's unlimited. The Bible is what tells us that when we're lost, God will do anything, anything, anything to have us be found. God saves us. And we learn that from the scriptures. Ted Lasso is a great show, I'm sure. But it doesn't do anything near as good for us as the Bible does. Which is why the Bible says of itself, Pay close attention to me, use me, memorize me, study me, teach me to your children, hold me close to your heart. The Bible says that in a whole lot of places, actually, but a key place that we hear it is from our passage today, Deuteronomy chapter 6. Shema Yisrael, Adonai Elohim, Adonai Echad. That's the first line of the most central prayer in all of Judaism, Shema. It's called the Shema, which is the first word of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. And it's a word in Hebrew that means hear, hear, O Israel. This is the prayer, the Shema, that Jews pray every morning and every night. And it is as familiar to the practicing Jew as the Lord's prayer is to us. Hear, O Israel. The Lord is our God, the Lord alone. 
Now that statement echoes the first part of the Ten Commandments, right? There's only one God, and we shouldn't worship any other gods. That's foundational. The line that comes next in the scripture is equally foundational. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and might. And this is familiar to us because Jesus uses it as the answer to that question, which is the greatest commandment. He lifts the part of his answer right there out of Deuteronomy chapter 6. And then the passage says that we've heard several times already this morning, keep these words I'm commanding you, keep them in your heart, recite them to your children, talk about them when you're at home and when you're away, when you lie down and when you rise, bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Have them with you always, in other words. The will and the word of God to be found in scripture, that's to be an integral part of every day of our life. Every time we go in and out of our house, written on our hearts, inscribed on our foreheads, with us all the time, never forgetting them, never leaving them aside, never stopping to talk, uh, never failing to talk about them, never failing to teach them to our children. Now for centuries and centuries, observant Jewish people have done this with some very physical ways that Barb already talked about for us in the children's time. These probably started somewhere in the second century. So a few decades after Jesus' life on earth, but so long ago, and they have continued ever since right up to today. Right, the doorposts of your house, Jewish people put those small boxes, sometimes on every door of the house, sometimes even on their car doors, these little mezuzah, mezuzot in the plural. Several pieces of scripture written on the parchment inside, including the Shema, the the passage for today. And as Barb said, people touch them when they leave or enter the door as a way to praise God and ask for blessing. And then as a way to follow this about keeping the scripture on our heart and inscribed on our forehead, Jewish men, and now some Jewish women, pray every morning or every evening with these little leather boxes called tefillin, tefillin. Something that a Jewish man starts to do after his bar mitzvah, and it is considered the most important commandment in all of scripture to use these tefillin. Now the one on the arm goes right here on the bicep and it's tilted toward the heart. Right, so this is the way to keep the, the scripture near to the heart. Uh, and it plus the one then on the forehead, they both have four little scrolls inside of them that have four scripture passages where it's in, instructed that we keep the scripture so close to us, including the passage for today, the Shema. Now no doubt these practices look a little odd to us. But think about it for a second. What must it feel like to bind those boxes on your body every day before you pray? It's a physical embodiment of what the scripture commands. It's a way to feel it, to do it physically in your body, what the scripture asks us to do as an act of faith, to have the word of God so close, so regularly at hand, that it becomes an essential part of who someone is. I'm really impressed at the commitment of Jewish people who use Tefillin in their daily prayers. I appreciate how they take this scripture to heart, bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead. I'm impressed about how they declare with their bodies how central this commandment of scripture is. So mezuzah and Tefillin are part of the regular daily practice of the Jewish faith, and they have been for generations and generations, and they're going to be for a long time to come. But what about us? 
we are not Jewish. And we don't have a tradition of using objects like that to keep the scripture close. So how are we going to do it? If we're going to take seriously the instructions of the Bible to keep close at hand, to inscribe on our hearts so that scripture becomes an essential part of who we are, how are we going to do it? It's a big question. Maybe one of the biggest questions of faith. How are we going to use the Bible so it helps us grow? You know, many times in my pastoral ministry, I've had church members stop me in the sanctuary or narthex and say, Pastor Amy, I have decided that I am going to read the Bible through in a whole year. Often this happens the first of January, right? Like some kind of New Year's resolution when folks realize that they just don't know the Bible very well. And I think it's awesome. I'm all for the regular reading of Scripture. And I say, go for it. And then I say, now, how is it that you plan to do this? What, what plan are you going to use? And I said, well, I'm just going to start at the beginning, and I'm going to read it straight through. There are 1,189 chapters in the whole Christian Bible. So there are 365 days in a year. That's like three or four chapters a day. That doesn't sound too bad. When they tell me that, I say, really? Are you, are you sure that's the plan you want to go with? I mean, three or four chapters a day doesn't sound too bad, and when you're in Genesis, it's really pretty great, actually, because there's so many great stories in Genesis, but after you get through Genesis and Exodus, well, then you have to read Leviticus. And if someone makes it past the hermicle of Leviticus, guess what's waiting for you? The book of Numbers, which is just as boring as the name suggests. By the time you get into Numbers, you're getting gems like this from Numbers chapter 2. On the north side shall be the regimental encampment of Dan by companies. The leader of the Danites shall be Ahazer, son of, uh, I can't even say some of these names, Ami Shaddai, with a company as enrolled of 62,700. Those who camp next to him shall be the tribe of Asher. The leader of the Ashites shall be Pagiel, son of Okron, with a company as enrolled of 41,500. Then the tribe of Naphtali, the leader of the Naphtalites, shall be Ahira, son of Anon, with a company as enrolled of 53,400. The total encampment of Dan is 157,600. They shall set out by companies. That's like three verses of numbers, okay? And you have to read the whole book. So looking at three or four chapters of that, suddenly it becomes easy to say, uh, maybe I'll skip today, and then tomorrow, and then those numbers of, chapters of numbers are still waiting for you, and then all of a sudden the plan to read the Bible in a whole year has died, and you haven't even made it through February. So I do not suggest that you try to read the Bible straight through from beginning to end, really. <laughs> if you do want to read the Bible in a year, awesome. There are actually some really great plans out there to help you do it. Most of them will give you a short selection from the Old Testament, and then the Gospels, and then the Psalms, and then the Proverbs every day. And you know what? Because we live in 2021, you can actually go and sign up on a website, and someone will email you the readings every day. So all you have to do is open your email and read what's there in the email. Right there, you can do it on your phone. You don't even have to carry a Bible around with you. Magical. Or you can go buy a paperback Bible called the One Year Bible, and it'll put the readings for you in the order that you should read them, and by the end of the year, you'll have gotten through the whole Bible. Or I have printed out a One Year Bible reading plan, and I have copies of it in the narthex on that little table. So if you want to go old school and have paper in your hand, 
you can grab one of those on your way out. But you don't have to take on a project as big as reading the whole Bible in a year. That's a big project. We can respond to these instructions in Deuteronomy without doing something that big. We just need to commit to some sort of habit or discipline if we want to know the Bible better, if we want its stories to sink into our hearts, if we want its guidance to be a part of our lives. We can't, you know, we can't just have the Bible in our house and expect it to become an important part of our lives or our children's lives. We can't rely just on worship to inscribe the scripture into our hearts. We have to find another way to interact and use the Bible. So, a couple options. A Bible study, that's a good one. Find a place here at church, a place we've already got, or we could start a new place. Uh, Get together with other people and talk about scripture and talk about faith. That's probably the very best way to integrate the Bible into our lives. Watch for a Bible study option this fall, or come talk to me if you'd like to start a Sunday morning group. Beyond reading it with others, of course, reading the scriptures at home is is an important way to do this, but I just want to encourage flexibility in thinking about this. You know, I remember in college, I had a lot of friends in our campus ministry who would wake up every day, and the first thing they would do is read a few chapters out of the Bible. And they talked about this morning devotion time as the only real way to be serious about faith. But you know what? For me, it never worked. I don't think I made it more than three days in a row before I broke the habit. Because for my whole life, I have woken up slowly. I mean slowly. Like, I'm no good to anybody the first hour of the day. And so to try and engage in something that I'm gonna remember and have it have an impact on me, it just does not work for me to do it first thing in the morning. So we just, we all have to search for ways that are gonna work for us to engage with the scripture. If it works better for you to read the Bible just one or two days a week, okay. If you would rather listen to it as an audio book or a podcast like Daily Daily Audio Bible, okay. If you would rather read a whole book at once and just do that once a month, okay. Find a rhythm and a pattern that works for you. Lastly, I just wanna say that we need to keep a long haul perspective. Because reading the Bible, studying it, using it, it's not just something to do during the month of August in 2021 because of this sermon series. It's something for us to do our entire lives. The Bible is our lifelong companion. It's had important things to tell you in the past. It's got something important to say to you right now. And it's going to have messages to give you long into the future. God will use it to shape you and guide you today and in all the days to come. So reading the Bible, it's not like something to conquer, just do once and be done. It's something for us to use as a tool of faith now and for the rest of our days. Keep these words I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise. May it be so. Amen.